Welcome, welcome back everybody. It's Box to Box here on KCOU 88.1 FM. We are back for yet another week and I'm super hyped this week because the Champions League is back. The Champions League is back in action. This week there were games yesterday. We're going to talk about those um, later on in the show. I've got some predictions to make. I've got some predictions to kind of scrutinize. I, I, I put myself out there on Twitter yesterday and did some predictions for the PSG Real Madrid game, which was an absolute thriller to watch and then of course man city and sporting portugal that one was not as much of a thriller and we'll dive into why a little bit later um but yeah we're back hope everyone's having a good wednesday it's really warm today the weather is very very midwestern but even for midwestern weather it's kind of bonkers uh it is currently let's see I'll, i'll get the official temperature weather report today it is right now currently 60 degrees in Columbia, Missouri, with a winter storm warning. Let that sink in. Uh, it is 61 degrees in Columbia in February in the Midwest, uh, and it's supposed to snow. It has a 100% chance of snow tomorrow on Thursday. We'll have to see if uh, the studio and the school gets shut down at the University of Missouri. But yeah, 61 degrees and a winter storm warning. Only in the Midwest do you get things like this. Very iconic for the weather. So we'll have to see. I know a couple weeks ago, Box to Box was snowed out. Um, We missed a show, what was it, two weeks ago? Last week? Something like that. Every week just feels so long, I don't know. Um, But, yeah, so everyone stay safe, I guess, if it starts snowing. But I'm literally wearing shorts today, and I might see snow on the ground tomorrow. So kind of wild. We love the weather. We love the Midwest weather. But that won't stop us, uh, you know, from getting the show done. Anyway, before we dive into the Premier League roundup for the week, I'm doing a little bit of a different format. I'm excited to dive into it. Bucks homer segment, of course, as usual. I have some thankfully good Bucks game reporting to do uh, because they beat the Pacers last night. 128 to 119. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 50 points. Beautiful performance. He is the MVP. Joel Embiid, you know, might be leading in the MVP race. His team just got blown out by 50 points. And Giannis scored 50. That tells me all I need to know right there, all right? Uh, other news, the trade deadline has come and gone. That was last week. That happened after the show. So Bucks got Serge Ibaka in the trade deadline. Kind of fun. Um, I, I've always been a Serge Ibaka fan. He was a nuisance when the Bucks played him back in 2019 when he was on the Raptors. But um, he's, a, he's a fun player. I think he'll be good for some big man depth for them. Uh, they said goodbye to Dante DiVincenzo, Rodney Hood, and Semi Ojale, who they dealt uh, in a four-team deal at the trade deadline. But I think gaining Serge Ibaka is good. I think that's a win for them going forward for the rest of the season. But we'll have to see what goes on. Like I said, um, they got a big win yesterday. And I believe the Miami Heat lost to the Mavericks, so that helps because they're in first place in the East. Milwaukee jumped back up to third in what has been a hotly contested uh, Eastern Conference race. But yes, go Bucks. Let's see who's their next game against. Oh, it's against Philadelphia. Would you look at that? Against Joel Embiid and the 76ers on Thursday. That's tomorrow. That'll be fun. Um, we'll have to see 
we'll have to see what goes down for them. But anyway, without further ado, so I'm introducing a little bit of a new format, like I said. Um, I want to put this out on Twitter, too, because I want to see what people think of this. I know I do a Premier League winners and losers segment uh, every week. But I've decided to take a little bit of an audible for that this week. I'm just going to round up every single game, just kind of talk about what happened, um, how surprising the result might be, and all that fun stuff. I'm going to go through that for the Premier League, but I want to get into all of Europe's top five leagues. So those are, of course, uh, the Bundesliga in Germany, Serie A in Italy, uh, the French League, Ligue 1, and then what one am I missing? Oh, um, La Liga in Spain. And then with the Premier League, that's five. So I don't know if this would be a good idea and I want to see what the reception is, but I think next week, like this week I'll do Premier League. I'll round up every single game from the weekend, but then next weekend I'll do the Bundesliga or La Liga. I'll do a different league profile. It will kind of switch as the season continues and then get kind of a, a, a well in-depth roundup of all top five leagues because it's tough to go through all five every single weekend. There's just like not enough time because there's so many games. So I'm going to do that for the format, but I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm going to, I think change the format to that, and then we can kind of dive into some other domestic leagues because there's some really good quality, um, you know, all across Europe, not just in the Premier League. I know that's the league I most closely follow. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm going to try and do that for the weeks going forward. But this week we did stick with the Premier League. We are sticking in England, and there were some fun games this week. We are going to start out with Manchester United against Southampton. This game was on Saturday. This game ended a 1-1 draw, which... Um, Man United trying to respond well from a, another 1-1 draw they had against bottom place Burnley. Um, Burnley just one win on the season. Ronaldo was left on the bench for that game, but Man United failed to pick up uh, three points against bottom place Burnley, and they would continue to do so against Southampton at home. Che Adams for Southampton found the back of the net with a great right-footed finish uh, to equalize in the second half. Um but Man United failing to pick up the points, the three points there. They did have a goal from Jaden Sancho, who, to be fair, uh, has looked really, really good on that left wing for Man United. When he's finding space, he can absolutely blow by anybody. Um, I think he has an underrated level of pace. He's really skilled. Uh, that front four of Jaden Sancho, Fernandez, and either Rashford, or they've used Anthony Alanga as well, who's a young uh, Swedish forward, and then Cristiano Ronaldo. Kind of... I think has have been a little bit underwhelming. However, it would be a complete, you know, roast session, I guess, of Man United this week if it weren't for the fact that they had to play a makeup game yesterday on Tuesday against Brighton. They played Brighton um, yesterday and beat them two nothing. The highlights of that game uh, were pretty phenomenal for Man United. Their front three was balling. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo scored a sublime goal um, where he picked up the ball off just like a deflected pass from, I think, Scott McTominay in midfield, drove by two defenders and had literally an ounce of space, took the slightest of touches to like with the outside of his right foot and just fired it with power that I don't know how he generated. Um, it was a brilliant goal. Uh, following that, Lewis Dunk for Brighton, their center back was sent off in the 53rd minute for a red card after he fouled Anthony Alanga, um, who was on a bit of a breakaway. So he fouled him. When Alanga, the only person between Alanga and the goal was the goalkeeper. So you kind of have to think of it as like a clear path foul in basketball. Lewis Dunk, the foul he did wasn't necessarily egregious in terms of how how he fouled him. It was more the situation. It was like a clear path foul. So 
when you blatantly take someone down when they have a one-on-one with the goalkeeper, that's automatically a red card. The ref didn't call it a red card at first. It went to VAR, and eventually they reversed Dunk's yellow card and changed it to a red, so he was sent off for that. Um, He was denied a clear goal-scoring opportunity. The second goal came from Bruno Fernandes, who was player of the match in this game. He was really, really good. It was a really bad giveaway. Oh, no, this wasn't the goal. Sorry, the Brighton nearly conceded three because they had a really bad giveaway from their keeper. Um, that almost led to another Cristiano Ronaldo goal. But Bruno Fernandes picked up the ball on a breakaway. It was a 2v1. He had an amazing shot fake inside the box where it was either he was going to shoot it or pass it across to Cristiano Ronaldo on the 2v1, but he faked the pass, and the keeper bit, like, I, I mean, anyone would have. The the fake was amazing. I Like, in slow-mo, you really think he's going to shoot it, and he just pauses right on top of the ball. The keeper dives one way. He just places it into the goal. Got the 2-0 win for Man United. What that means for them, they are now in fourth place on 43 points. Two points clear of West Ham, and now they've played the same amount of games because Man United had that makeup game for Brighton. That was supposed to be match week 18. I think we're in match week 25. So they played their makeup game. They won... Anyway, it's a Vicarage Road we go. Watford, Brighton. Um, Watford currently in or after this game. They're in 19th in the relegation zone. They needed to pick up points, and they failed to do so. The draw fest that is Brighton and Hove Albion Football Club finally saw a different result. Lewis Dunk, who I mentioned got sent off in that game yesterday against Man United, um, got a yellow card in the 24th minute, um, conceding a close-range free kick, but Emmanuel Dennis of Watford was unable to convert it. Dunk then missed a big chance for Brighton in the 41st minute with a header off of a corner, but it was no worries for Brighton because Neil Mopé, their French striker, scored a brilliant, brilliant volley where it was crossed and he just wrapped his foot around it and was almost facing backwards from the goal. It was a crazy, uh, crazy finish, but it was a beautiful volley. Um, wrapped around the ball after a nice cross from Tariq Lamptey, who is Brighton's uh, young Right wing back, he's really promising. Emmanuel Dennis tried to work his way past four defenders later on in the second half, hitting the crossbar in the 63rd minute, and Brighton would scramble home a corner kick via Adam Webster, uh, midfielder for Brighton, to claim a victory on the road. Brighton finally not tying. They defeat Watford on the road 2-0. That brings them up to ninth place in the Premier League. Just seven wins and just only five losses, which again is good for the... Fourth least in the Premier League, just behind Chelsea, Liverpool, and City, who are in first, second, and third. Um, Or I guess third, second, and first, I should say, um, respectively. Brighton have just five ties, but like I said, those 12 draws are not doing them any justice. But they got the win here at Vicarage Road. Good one for them to kind of try and climb back in to the race for maybe those European places, but we'll have to see. Moving on, Brentford, Crystal Palace. This was the score draw of the weekend. Nil, nil between the two sides. The Bees fans were buzzing at home as Brentford uh, trying to, or they were seeking their first win since January 2nd. Had a big early penalty shout when Mark, when Mark Gahey stuck his hand up. It was really strange. He stuck his hand up and hit the ball um, while he was being pushed in the back, but the ref ruled it a foul on the Crystal Palace, um, or sorry, on the Brentford player that fouled him. I don't remember who that was. I think it was Norgard, Brentford's midfielder. He's 27 years old. He's Danish. Um, him and Gahey went up for this corner, and it was it was a blatant handball. Gahey jumped and jumped with his hand up, which I, I don't know why he did that, um, but basically just punched the ball 
but the ref decided to call it a foul, so Crystal Palace bailed out there, could have conceded an early penalty to Brighton. Um, Brentford's biggest first-half chance came when Sergi Canos flopped like a fish, really, at, at you know one of those salmon jumping out of the water um, while they're swimming upstream. That's what it kind of looked like. Uh, he tried to do that at a, at a headed attempt, which is Brighton's biggest first-half chance. They did not emerge victorious in the end, did Brentford. However, it was their first point gained after five consecutive defeats, so I think Brentford fans will breathe a real sigh of relief. Despite their five consecutive defeats, they're still in 14th place after this result, 24 points, so pretty clear of the relegation spots. Um, Newcastle, or not Newcastle, Norwich City is the highest relegation place team right now on 17 points, so they got a couple games in hand of those relegation spots, but they will want to start turning results around if they are to you know, stay up and not risk falling into those relegation spots later on in the season. Next up, Everton leads. Everton currently riding the high of having a new manager um, with their momentum is Frankie Lampard. Uh, his takeover has saw them run riot at home at Goodison Park. They won 3-0 against Leeds this weekend. A big result, a big couple points gained for them. Uh, things got rocking and rolling early. The Goodison Park faithful were loud at this game. Watching the highlights of this game, the commentators, I would sometimes, they were, their voices were drawn out by the, the roars of the Goodison Park faithful finally um, watching a good spell of play from Everton who have had a very disappointing season. Obviously, Frank Lampard, they brought him in midseason as a new um, manager. He got things going early as Seamus Coleman uh, did his best. I had to make a Seamus pun here. There's a, there's a WWE wrestler named Seamus. Seamus Coleman did his best I think it's Brogy kick impression, uh, flying through the box to pounce on a rebound, putting Everton up 1-0 after just 10 minutes. By the 23rd, they had their second um, as they they lined up almost like school kids waiting for, for you know the bus to take them to their field trip. They all lined up in a straight line behind the box and then just split off in different directions. A little bit of an interesting corner kick tactic, but it worked. Um... As the corner was swung in and big Michael Keane, their center back, pounced on a header to make it 2-0 by halftime. Uh, Rodrigo, hot Rodrigo of, um, of Leeds, tried to equalize or tried to make things interesting at least before halftime. He hit the crossbar, um, but it was all Everton aside from, from those chances for Rodrigo. He hit the bar twice in the first half. And then in the 79th minute, Everton would seal the victory as Richarlison, their Brazilian forward, did a nice soul roll outside of the box, beat one defender, hit the shot with his left foot. Um, unfortunately, his teammate, Anthony Gordon, stole the goal because he was slightly in the way and the ball clipped off of his foot on the way through um, to scoring. So he got credit for the goal, but Richarlison really did all the work for that. That put Everton 3-0 up. Uh, they brought on Deli Alley, who they signed from Tottenham over the uh, winter transfer window. He made a good impression on his Everton home debut. He had one cross into their striker, Solomon Rondon, who they also subbed into this game, that you could not have placed it any better. Solomon Rondon did his best. He hit it on the one time, but could not find the back of the net. Didn't matter for Everton in the end, though. They win 3-0 against Leeds. That's a huge result. Two sides underperforming, and Everton uh, managed to show off some class in this one. They're still behind Leeds in the table by just one point. However, they do have a game in hand. Leeds have played 23 points or 23 games and have 23 points. Everton have played just 22 games and have 22 points. Um, they're in 16th, which no Everton fan I don't think would have expected nor accepted them to be at in this game. 
Moving on uh, to a absolute blowout on Saturday. Manchester City on the road at Carrow Road in Norwich uh, for this one. Pep had never taken a point from Carrow Road up until this matchup. I think it was the only Premier League team he had failed to pick up points against on the road. However, uh, the likely champions got things off to a fast start uh, with Bernardo Silva hitting the inside of the post. That goal, or that, that shot didn't count, it didn't go in, but um, Manchester City were a different kind of team than Pep teams traveling to Carrow Road in the past. City did not manage to break the deadlock until the 30th minute when Raheem Sterling curled a brilliant effort into the far post. Um, the Norwich Dam held. It held for the rest of the first half, but broke almost immediately in the 47th minute when Phil Foden scrambled in a goal off of a corner in the 60-yard box. 70th minute, uh, City truly started to assert their dominance. They took a short corner. Phil Foden swung in a beautiful cross towards City center back Ruben Diaz, who headed it back across the 6-yard box, right to Raheem Sterling, who tapped it home for his second goal of the match. That put City up 3-0. Cherry on top came in the 90th minute when substitute Liam Delip uh, won a penalty, giving Sterling a chance for hat-trick. Sterling missed the pen. It was a great save by Angus Gunn of Norwich. However, the save deflected right back to Raheem Sterling, and if it's saved off the goalkeeper, the penalty taker is allowed to just tap it home. That's exactly what Raheem Sterling did, getting his hat-trick, getting the 4-0 win for City. Um... City have 14 wins and one draw in their last 15 games. They're looking absolutely unstoppable. They're nine points clear at the top of the Premier League table. 25 games played, 20 wins, three draws, just two losses. 61 goals scored, uh, 14 conceded. That's good for a plus 14, plus 47, sorry, goal difference and 63 points. Um, They're the team to beat right now, probably in the world, I'll be honest. We're going to get into their Champions League result a little bit later. Um... Before, you know, yeah, we'll dive into that a little bit later. I'm going to take a short break, then we'll finish recapping the weekend uh, just gone by for the Premier League and then dive into some UCL stuff. So really exciting. You don't want to miss it. It is currently 1121 Central Standard Time here in Columbia, Missouri. Sorry once again about the uh, little weather interruption. I don't know how much of that came through, but it was very it was very funny to me. It freaked me out. Um, but we'll be right back with more Box to Box here on KCOU 88.1 FM. We'll be right back. You know, I bet everyone here in Columbia, Missouri is going to be wishing they were on an island in the sun tomorrow when it is freezing rain and, and sleet after a nice 60-degree day today. Welcome back to box to box here on KCOU 88.1 FM, where we are not going to get discouraged about the weather. Instead, we're going to dive right back into a little Premier League roundup. Um, like I mentioned in the first segment, for those who missed it, I'm going to switch to a little bit of a new format. I'm going to profile, I guess not profile, like do a roundup on one of Europe's top five leagues every week and just kind of cycle them through. So this week I'll start with the Premier League. That's the one I know. And I guess I'll put out maybe a Twitter poll. Um, go follow me on Twitter at Jack Knowlton Media. I think it's Jack Knowlton underscore media. I should probably know that. Um, <laughs> you know, for, yeah, I should probably know that. But anyway, um, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll take a vote on which league we'll do for this weekend for games I'll try and watch and watch all the highlights of at least. Um, and yeah, but with that being said, we're going to dive back into some more Premier League recap. We just talked about Norwich and Man City. Man City dispatching Norwich 4-0 on the road. Brentford tied Crystal Palace 0-0. Watford 
lost to Brighton at home 2-0. And Man United had a couple of results, actually. They uh, tied Southampton 1-1 and then beat uh, Brighton 2-0 back on Tuesday, just yesterday, as a makeup game for earlier in the season. Diving back into another game, we're going to talk Tottenham Wolves next. Antonio Conte, Tottenham's manager, has not lost three games in a row as a manager ever. So Wolves were out to make out, make some history today. Tottenham had lost their previous two matches uh, against Southampton. They beat Brighton in the FA Cup, but they had lost to Chelsea in the Premier League. So to elaborate on that stat, I guess, Antonio Conte in his managerial career had never lost three league matches in a row. So he was if, if Tottenham lose to Wolves, he would have lost his third Premier League match in a row. Wolves were out to make history, and they did so in fine fashion. Rodrigo Benton Kerr of Spurs, who signed from Juventus in January, did make his full debut in this game, um, which was pretty exciting to see for Spurs fans. He didn't do too bad, the 24-year-old. He won 11 duels, which um, he's kind of there to do. He is kind of a box-to-box midfielder. We're a bit of a fan of Rodrigo Benton Kerr on the penalty, or not on the penalty box, a box-to-box. Um, he had one total shot in this match. 82% pass success is pretty good. Um, and yeah, looked pretty impressive in his full debut for Tottenham. Uh, however, the first goal came early for Wolves. A free kick was very, very poorly dealt with by Tottenham goalkeeper Hugo Lloris, Um, after he basically made two rebound saves, but the second rebound save was off a, uh, it was a weak header that was just kind of lofted back toward him. And he just kind of flopped at the ball and like, just smacked it back into the box instead of just catching it, which I think he could have very easily done. I know, you know, it's easier. It's easy for all of us to say that, but it really looked like a bit of poor goalkeeping. And unfortunately, as he, he hit the ball back into the box, it fell right to Ruben Diaz, the Mexican striker for Wolves, who just volleyed it in, smashed it into the, the top right corner for Wolves and got things started early. It was poorly dealt, like I said, poorly dealt uh, free kick by Hugo Lloris, Raul Jimenez, Wolves striker fired it home to put them up 1-0. Nightmarish defending would continue to plague Spurs um, as a poor Lurie distribution later on in the half. He got the ball like kind of on his goal line, tried to turn to his left and pass it to a defender. He got it off, but it was behind him. Ben Davies, Tottenham's defender, had to track back and tried to just clear it out. It was a poor clearance. Wolves took advantage. They pressed Tottenham, um, and the ball worked its way into the box by Wolves took a deflection off of two Tottenham players and the post before bouncing straight to De- Leander Dendonker, the Belgian midfielder for Wolves, who tapped it home. was a comedy of errors at the back for, at the back for Spurs. Tottenham's offense did not, uh, did not look too bad. They were pretty decent, especially later in the second half when they were already 2-0 down. Um, but they could not find the back of the net thanks to a couple just poor final touches in the box, poor quality shooting, um, and a couple great saves by Wolves' Jose Sa in goal. Ultimately, calamitous defensive errors and goalkeeping cost them a crucial game and a race for the UCL places. This game had some huge implications. Wolves are now ahead of Tottenham on 37 points. Um, Wolves are in 7th, Tottenham are in 8th. Like I said, they are very much in the thick of it for that Champions League, that Europa League spot in the Premier League. Um, Europa League spot goes to that 5th place team. So both are challenging for European football next year, and Wolves got the big win they do have a game, or Tottenham does have a game in hand over Wolves. Wolves have played 23 games, Tottenham just 22. So Tottenham will have a game to make up for on the back end. But still, you need to be getting results against these teams that are right next to you in the table. And Tottenham failed to do so. Moving on, the next game, Newcastle and Aston Villa. Another bit of a cagey one. 
Um, here, this game, I believe, was on Sunday. Was it on Sunday? Let's see. It was on... Yes, it was on Sunday. Um, Newcastle beating Aston Villa at St. James's Park at home. This was a huge win for Newcastle. They needed a win to separate themselves for, from the bottom three. Joe Willock, uh, who played in midfield for Newcastle, looked really, really good in this game. He was really lively and won his side a free kick that was millimeters away from being a penalty. Um, but it didn't ultimately matter as set-piece specialist and right-back for Newcastle. Kieran Trippier stepped up and smashed the ball into the middle of the goal to give uh, Newcastle the lead. In the 63rd minute, Villa finally put together a good run, a good spell of attacking play themselves when Ollie Watkins, their striker, um, fired home across after it took a massive deflection. Seemed like they scored. However, the VAR gods smiled down on Newcastle and struck down on Aston Villa. They ruled the goal offsides by about three and a half centimeters. That's official math. Don't check that. Um, and preserved the Newcastle lead, much to the glee of the St. James's Park faithful. Like I said, huge, huge win for Newcastle. They climbed four points clear of the bottom three with a game in hand. So the situation for them, Norwich City uh, are in 18th place on 17 points but they've played 24 games. Newcastle have played just 23 games and have 21 points. So, big win for Newcastle. They needed that. Uh, Aston Villa, on the other hand, still sit in 12th, very mid-table, um, 27 points, 8 wins, uh, minus 5 goal difference. It's kind of a mid-season, honestly, for Aston Villa. Um, they were excited to have Leon Bailey back on the bench. He didn't see any action, um, but he's a really, really talented Jamaican forward for them. I forget how much talent is on this Aston Villa team. Um, they are of coach, or they are also of course, of course, coached by Steven Gerrard, who is Liverpool legend. For those who don't know, we love Stevie G, um, and that he's coasting, coaching Aston Villa. There's a lot of talent on this team, legitimately. Um, Ollie Watkins is very good. He he just didn't look like he had it um, in this game. They have Felipe Coutinho, who they signed, who also used to play for Liverpool for a little bit. Um, not for a little bit. He was a Liverpool legend. Um, he had scored in a couple of their recent games. They have Emi Buendia, who's from Argentina. He's another good forward for them. Like I said, Leon Bailey's good. They have a really good young English center mid in Jacob Ramsey. He's just 20 years old. He's looked really good at the top level for Aston Villa. This is a good team. Like, I definitely think for the season they're having, 12th is probably fair, but... This team can legitimately stick around in the Premier League. They should not be flirting with relegation, which they're not right now. But I, you know, if I see things start to kind of take a downward turn as the season goes on for Aston Villa, I'll be really surprised. I think this is a team with, you know, Stevie G doesn't have the most managerial experience, but he's he's a good enough coach, and I think this is a team with good enough players to really be picking up wins against squads like Newcastle. But they drop the ball on the road in this one, and Newcastle getting the win. Uh, next up, Leicester and West Ham. This game was also on Sunday, and this was probably the most thrilling contest of the weekend. It finished 2-2. The King Power brought a goal fest between UCL challenging side West Ham, who are currently in fifth after this game, against a struggling side in Leicester City. Um, Leicester City having a disappointing season by their standards. Things got started real fast, 10 minutes in for West Ham, when Jared Bowen brought down a beautiful long ball. Um, it was a just over-the-top through ball played from deep by Issa Diop, West Ham center back. Um, Jared Bowen brought it down really well and buried it in the bottom corner with his left foot. Jared Bowen's really good. Uh, I want Liverpool to sign him and 
get some more depth. They probably won't because I think he's going to command a really, really big fee, especially to stay uh, in the same league. But it'd be cool if Liverpool could sign him. Um, but things got things started early for Jared Bowen and West Ham. Uh, Leicester got the opportunity to draw level on the stroke of halftime when West Ham's Aaron Cresswell handled the ball in the box. He didn't even protest it. It was pretty obvious. He tried. It was just kind of a weird corner. It was off a corner. He tried to clear the corner away with his head, but it came a lot lower than he was anticipating, and he tried to duck his head down to to head the ball away, but it struck him on the arm. Um, and Leicester's Yuri Tielemans, a Belgian center midfielder who's very, very talented, dispatched the penalty um, to tie things up on the stroke of halftime. Leicester would double their advantage in the second half after Harvey Barnes, after Harvey Barnes cross met the head of Ricardo Pereira, Leicester's Portuguese right back. Um, however, things would come back to haunt Leicester. They had a two, they had a two-one lead at home. Looked like they were going to hold on. 90th minute, and what do they concede but a corner kick? Leicester City, if there is a story for them for this season, is that they cannot handle set pieces very well defending. Craig Dawson of West Ham, their big center back, fired home a header off of a corner kick in extra time to give West Ham a crucial point, a crucial draw, and break the King Power fans' hearts. Um, the ball did come off of Craig Dawson's shoulder, um, but they, the ref ruled that it was not a handball. And like I said, this has been the story of the season for Leicester City. They have conceded 14 goals in total um, uh, this season, 11 from set pieces alone. So, you know, or sorry, they've scored four. They conceded 14 goals off set pieces this season, 11 from corners. That's too many. Um, they've conceded 41 goals in total this season. I think that's, I might've got my numbers mixed up. 41 goals in total, 11 from set pieces. That's not good. Um, they cannot defend the set piece. They've struggled all season long. It's been one of the main reasons why they are down in 11th, where they are on a minus five goal difference. Um, Leicester fans are used to seeing a lot of scoring and, and not too many can see, and they have some pretty decent defenders. They have Daniel Amarty, who's a, uh, Ghanaian center back who they've kind of converted from center defensive mid. They have Seglar Soyuncu, who's Turkish. He was one of the most, like, prized center backs in terms of earning a big transfer. Leicester managed to keep him. He's been under underperforming. They have James Justin, who a lot of people are really excited about. He's a promising young left back English. Um, and Ricardo Pereira, who's definitely not as much known for his defending as he is for his ability to attack. Obviously, as I mentioned, he scored in this game. And they have Kasper Schmeichel, who is 35 at goalkeeper, but he's really talented still. Um he was obviously really, really good for Denmark. Also had all those heroics um, when the whole Christian Eriksen thing happened. But yeah, this Leicester team, I just, I've, I've been surprised. I've been really surprised by their lack of defending and their inability to defend set pieces has absolutely haunted them and came back to haunt them again this week. Last but not least, a little bit of a scary one for second place side Liverpool. They Managed to get a 1-0 win over bottom place Burnley, um, but I don't think Liverpool fans were expecting it to be as close as it was. Uh, goal was scored by Fabinho for Liverpool. That, I believe, is his fifth goal in, like, seven games in 2022. He is... He's not a striker. He's, like, a center defensive mid. Uh, he has nine goals in his Liverpool career, and I think five of them have come... Four of them have come in this season alone. So... Kind of wild for Fabinho. We love we love to see Fabinho getting on the score sheet if you are a Liverpool fan. 
Player of the match, however, was Allison Becker, Liverpool's goalkeeper. He had five saves in this game. Um, Liverpool looking a little bit shaky. This, And I will say it's very Liverpool on brand to lose a game like this when they have an opportunity to get the point, the point difference between them and City down to single digits. It's, it's very, it would be very them to have conceded uh, a game against Burnley, a team who have only won one game all season, who are definitely looking sure to go down on just 14 points. They have helped themselves by having 11 draws, but just that failure to pick up three points so often has just really, really hurt them. Um, and if those draws start to turn into losses, they're looking at a really, really dark season ahead and probably a future in the championship for Burnley. Before Liverpool, they'll just be relieved they pick up the three points. They didn't concede a goal, so it doesn't hurt their goal difference too much. And like I said, they are nine points off of City with a game in hand. City, 25 points, 25 games played. Liverpool, 24 games played. So we'll have to see. I'm going to be honest, even as a subjective Liverpool fan, I don't think they're going to catch City. I really don't. Um, it's just City are so good. I mean, they're so talented, up and down. Um front to back, name a player, match them up with the Liverpool player. Most of them are, are most city players, I guess, are probably going to dominate. I think they just have the squad depth. They're probably going to win the title. I'm willing to concede. I just don't want Liverpool to to blow the second-place performance. Um, and they are still in the FA Cup and the Champions League as well, which we're going to get into um, in just a little bit. We've got a lot of Champions League to talk. It's back. I'm very, very excited um, to dive into that. But, yeah. So that'll do it for the roundup. Um, I think in the future I'll go through the games a little bit faster and then I'll kind of talk about each game a little bit more in depth after I just like run through what the scores were. But I did it a little bit differently this first time around. We're always tinkering. We're always exper experimenting with new formats, with new fun stuff um, in box to box. Just looking at the Premier League in general, like I said, currently City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Manchester United after their 2-0 win over Brighton occupy the top four and have those automatic Champions League Places, the automatic Europa League place right now would be going to West Ham on 41 points. Uh, sixth place right now is Arsenal, who have played just 22 games, which is three less than West Ham and three less than Man City. They are on 39 points in sixth. Wolves and Tottenham in seventh and eighth, like I said. Brighton in ninth. Mid-table clubs, Southampton, Leicester, Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, and Brentford are 10 through 14. And then teams that are a little bit flirting with relegation, 15, 16, and 17 are Leeds, Everton, and Newcastle, who, like I said, picked up those crucial points to put them four points clear of the bottom three. Bottom three from 18 to 20th are Norwich, Watford, and Burnley um, on 17, 15, and 14 points, respectively. We will have to see how the rest of the season shakes out. Like I said, I'll revisit the Premier League when it kind of gets back through to its cycle. Um, if big events happen and stuff like that, I'll obviously shout them out and talk about them. It's it's just going it, to—it'll flow. Um— Statistics-wise, Mohamed Salah is still leading the Premier League in, in goals uh, with 16. That is four better than his teammate on Liverpool, Diogo Jota, who is on 12. Raheem Sterling has 10. He obviously uh, scored a hat-trick for City on the weekend. That, that boosted him up. Youngman, son of Tottenham, Jamie Vardy of Leicester, and Ronaldo of Man United are all on nine. So, golden boot race, not, uh, not too... Not too hotly contested right now. Assist leaders right now are Trent Alexander-Arnold, whose jersey I'm wearing right now. That's fun. He has 10 assists, and then Mohamed Salah has 9. Jared Bowen, Andrew Robertson, and Paul Pogba uh, all have 8. So 
some fun stuff. We'll have to see how the Premier League continues to shake out. We'll have to see if City kind of chokes away their lead. Like I said, I doubt it. Um, they're they're not they're not going to throw anything away uh, too easily. But we will have to see what goes on. I'm going to take another quick break, but when we come back, we're talking UCL. I'm very excited. I'm going to make some predictions live on air. We're going to see what goes down in the Champions League over these next couple days. Exciting stuff to come. Don't miss out. It is currently 11 to 41 Central Standard Time here on Box to Box. We will be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to Box to Box here on KCOU 88.1 FM. We were just recapping the Premier League and everything that went on from the past weekend. It was a good a good weekend of Premier League football, lots to dive into. Um, obviously, we were a bit fresh off an international break with friendlies and, of course, the African Cup of Nations, which I dived into. Deep dive. A couple episodes were solely dedicated to AFCON. That was super, super fun. Um, if you want to go back and listen to those episodes, you can... Listen to Box to Box on Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts. It's not solely on Spotify. I have to, I've been trying to say wherever you get your podcasts more because even though I get my podcasts from Spotify, there are other platforms that Box to Box goes up to Apple Podcasts uh, and other podcasting and other podcasting uh, uh, platforms and all that fun stuff. So go listen to that um, if you missed out on those episodes live. It's UCL time. I'm very, very excited. Obviously, the UCL. Um, competition took a bit of a break after the group stage, as they always do. Um, I'll just do a little bit of a recap of what the round of 16 matchups are. Of course, the UCL, what is it? Brief overview. It's the Champions League. It is the premier competition in European club football, um, featuring the best teams who finished in the best in the top places in their domestic leagues get the chance to qualify and compete in the Champions League. The winner of the Champions League is basically declared Champions of Europe, it's the most prestigious club honor you can earn as a European soccer club so or football club. So it's big. It's big. It's important. All the games matter. All the games are crucial. Your, your results are crucial. All that fun stuff. Round of 16 matchups uh, featuring Sporting Portugal and Man City. Uh, PSG face Real Madrid. RB Salzburg, an Austrian club. The Austrian champions face Bayern Munich. Inter Milan face Liverpool. Uh, Atletico Madrid play Manchester United. Uh, SL Benfica face Ajax. That's a Portuguese and a Dutch club. Villarreal, a Spanish side, face Juventus. And Chelsea face off against French side Lille. Those are the matchups uh, that were determined, obviously, after the group stage. Which, when was the last group stage game? Last group stage game was all the way back on Thursday, December 9th. So way back when, a couple months ago. So for those who weren't who weren't refreshed, um, those are the matchups for the knockout stage. Now, those matches are getting underway. Uh, the first couple were yesterday, and those games were Sporting Club de Portugal, Sporting Lisbon against Manchester City. The game was in Portugal, and oh boy, there was seemingly no home field advantage for Sporting. Obviously, Man City got a 4-0 win against Norwich City in the Premier League. I talked about that in the last segment. They did not slow down in the Champions League. They beat Sporting Portugal 5-0 um, on the road in their first 
leg game. It was bad. No sporting club defender or their goalkeeper, um, Adan, had a higher match rating than 4.6. For what it's worth, you start every game with a 6.0 match rating. It goes up and down depending on your performance. So that's real bad. They played real bad. They did a bad job. Uh, sporting, you know, ha- they had a decent record at home, but Man City have won their last four away matches coming, had won their last four away matches coming into this game in Portugal. City got a boost with a fresh Kevin De Bruyne back. Uh, he's their Belgian maestro in midfield. One of my favorite players to watch. I love Kevin De Bruyne. Um, he was back into the side after he sat out their game against Norwich. Um, he got things started with a pass to Riyad Mahrez. Uh, to begin just an absolute goal spell in the first half. Bernardo Silva, a Portuguese winger who played uh, previously with SL Benfica, who are sporting Lisbon's rivals. He had a little bit of a vendetta, I could tell, in this game. Quickly putting two nil, City up 2-0 by the 17th minute with a wonderful volley off of a corner rebound. The corner was flicked away, and he was just first to pounce on it, volleyed at home. Uh, Rian Mars worked some more winger magic, um, playing a low cross that somehow snuck past Three sporting defenders, uh, right to Phil Foden, a English forward for Man City who just punched it home for their third goal of the half, and they would grab one more just for good measure. Bernardo Silva again uh, from an assist from Riyad Mahrez to put them up 4-0 by halftime. Raheem Sterling added another goal for himself in the 58th minute to win 5-0. On the road, in Lisbon, and... I also forgot to explain this, how the format for the Champions League works for the knockout stages. You play two matches against your team, a home and an away leg. So now they will face again in a couple of weeks in Manchester at the Etihad Stadium. Um, That's a home game for Man City. So Man City getting things off to a brilliant start for their Champions League knockout campaign. Um, Statistics-wise... Not much to report. The XG in this game was 2.3 to 0.1, so it was projected to be a 2 or 3 nil win for City. They got 5. 15 total shots. Uh, they had 6 of those on target. Hit the word work. Oh, they didn't hit the word work 9 times. They had 9 shots inside of the box, 6 shots from outside of the box. Just a dominant performance. They had 64% possession, uh, 93% pass accuracy, which is what happens when you have Kevin De Bruyne on your team. He's awesome. Not much more to be said there for Manchester City. Other game that went on yesterday was PSG and Real Madrid. This was an absolute thriller of a game. PSG's press was dominant in Paris, putting Real Madrid under it. Um, and I th- I thought they were going to get a goal so many times. They looked amazing in this game. Kylian Mbappe, oh my lord, he is simply the best player in the world. It's unbelievable. When things seemed dire for PSG, they had a lot of big chances in this game. Um, they dominated possession. They had a one point, uh, 1.8 XG, so they were projected to win about 2-0. 21 shots, 91% pass accuracy, 8 shots on target. They only managed a 1-0 win. All credit where credit is due to Thibaut Courtois, Real Madrid's goalkeeper in this game. Saved a bucket load of shots, including a Lionel Messi penalty. Um which we thought was going to be the end for PSG. He had a penalty in the 62nd minute, which he missed. Uh, But then Kylian Mbappe happened. 90th minute, four minutes of added time. Last kick of the game, Kylian Mbappe absolutely destroys two Real Madrid defenders with a nasty step over, cuts in from the left wing. Beautiful finish into the bottom right corner. 
of the goal and gives PSG a thrilling victory at home, one nothing. I screamed when I saw this goal it, uh, go in in my apartment. It was wild. Killing Mbappe is a joy to watch. Just so fast, so powerful, um, and it was an unreal goal. But just so graceful, too, with his moves and crafty. It was unreal. But those were the games that happened yesterday. PSG beat Real Madrid 1-0. Sporting losing to City 5-0 on the road. I predicted it was going to be a 1-1 draw between PSG and Real Madrid and a 2-0 win for City uh, against Sporting. I was a little bit nicer to Sporting. I guess I shouldn't have been. Um... But yeah, crazy games. If this is shaping up for how the Champions League is going to turn out, that PSG-Real Madrid game, if that's any indication, we're in for a fun ride the rest of the way. Now, there are games today. I mentioned I was wearing my Trent Alexander-Arnold jersey. That is because Liverpool are in action today against Inter on the road in the San Siro. Um, it's going to be interesting. Liverpool played AC Milan, Inter's rival, who they share the San Siro with in the group stage, so they're used to playing there. That game is at 2 p.m., it's, I want to pick Liverpool. I'm going to make my picks, my formal picks, and I'll tweet them out after the show. I think this game is going to be a tie. I think this game is going to be a tie. I think Inter's going to hold them. Um, honestly, I could go nil-nil. I think this game might just go back and forth the whole time. It might just, it might not have the Kylian Mbappe magic that the Real PSG game had. I think this game is going to end in a draw. I'm going to go a nil-nil draw. I think this game's just going to be kind of back and forth. There's going to be a lot of big chances. Teams are going to have their opportunities to score, but I think the goalkeeper play will be strong between Allison for Liverpool and Samir Handanovic for Inter. It's going to be a nil-nil draw, and they're going to take it back to Anfield, and it's going to be decided in Liverpool on a European night in Liverpool, which are some of the best nights uh, you can ask for on the football pitch. Next game, and I'm going to be bold again with this one, Bayern and RB Salzburg. RB Salzburg are the Austrian champions. RB Salzburg this season are currently still the Austrian champions on 48 points. Uh, that is 14 points clear at the top of the table in Austria. 15 games won, plus 31 goal difference. This team will never back down from a challenge. Bayern Munich, on the other hand, are looking a little bit shaky. They are in first place in the Bundesliga, but they've had their own issues. Um, they had, I think it was Thomas Muller has some issues off the pitch. The... The team doesn't like the Red Bull conglomerate that RB Salzburg is a part of. Um, you know, they don't like that whole thing. This is going to be a tense one, a testy one. RB Salzburg will come out and they will press this Bayern side. They will not be afraid to play their game. They are young. They are fast. They attack with just, just a real boldness that has put them in a place, uh, has put them in this place in the Champions League knockout stage. They finished... I think they did finish third in their group, but it was a group containing Man City and PSG. And I think they took points off of both of them, I want to say. Um, they beat Man City in the Champions League, and they tied PSG. This is a team that will not back down. And I think because Bayern have been I, just a little bit shaky for me, they just lost to VFL Bochum 4-2 in the Bundesliga over the weekend. I think RB Salzburg are going to win this game. I think they're going to beat Bayern. I think Bayern are going to have their backs to the wall um, when it comes to their second leg in Munich in March. Um, it's in the Red Bull Arena in Salzburg. The fans are going to be rocking, and I'm rocking with Salzburg. 2-1 RB Salzburg. I don't think you're going to deny Robert Lewandowski for Bayern for any Champions League game. He's phenomenal in the Champions League game, 
But I think RB Salzburg are going to test the metal of that Bayern defense, and I think they're going to break through. I've talked about Karim Adeyemi on this show before. RB Salzburg's 20-year-old German striker. He's definitely going to start. They have Brandon Aronson, who's an American name to watch for sure. I think they're going to win this game. I'm going to put my put my neck out and say RB Salzburg 2-1 win over Bayern. We're going to see what goes down. Those are the games today. We have games next week that I will be able to predict uh, and talk about before the show. There's two games next Tuesday and then two games next Wednesday that I'll also make predictions for. Chelsea and Lille on Tuesday via Real Juventus on Tuesday. And then Atletico Madrid, Man United on Wednesday should be a great game. And Benfica, Ajax as well. That's going to do it for me. Those are the Champions League predictions. I'm so hyped it's back. Hyped to talk about it more uh, as the round of 16 goes on. We'll have to see how it goes uh, for all of these sides. Hopefully Liverpool can pick up a win today against Inter. Hopefully my prediction is wrong at the score draw. But that's going to do it for me. I hope everyone enjoyed Box to Box. The show will be up on Spotify. Um, for those who might have missed it, uh, hopefully later today or tomorrow. We'll just have to see. Um, and I hope everyone enjoys. Everyone in the Como area and, and Midmo, stay safe with the snow. That's, I guess, coming with five to eight inches after a 60-degree day. Who knows, right? Um, and, yeah, that'll wrap things up for me. Hope everyone enjoyed and have a fun and safe rest of your week.